Greetings Earthlings and other interdimensional entities. Welcome to My Spiritual Circle. Stories by Tanya Desiree Ahrens about her experiences with the supernatural, paranormal, metaphysical, psychologically uh, disturbed or off-kilter memories of actual lived experiences. This is episode three and we continue my story with uh, the, the period of time where I had just gotten married. I married at 19 um, in 1984, two days after my father-in-law-to-be passed away. So shortly after, you know, a few months into the marriage, uh, my mother-in-law, <coughs> who was a tiny little uh, Jewish Polish woman, her husband Harry and herself had migrated to New Zealand in 1931, which was fortunate for them because they escaped the Holocaust, but unfortunate for the rest of her entire family who perished in Europe um, in Poland and in the Holocaust. So um, they were a very spiritual family in lots of ways. And my mother-in-law loved to tell me stories growing up in Poland. Um, They were, um, I think they were Hasidic. And so they had a lot of these old folk stories and and supernatural stories about, you know, Dubokim and uh, miraculous healings, which of course me being you know me uh, actually delighted in these quite weird and wonderful stories, never thinking they would actually manifest in our in our family life. So what happened was uh, shortly after you know we got married, as I said. Uh, I would go and visit my mother-in-law because she was newly widowed and one would have expected her to be grieving terribly but I'd go over there to have a cup of tea and she'd have this beautiful rosy cheeks and sparkly eyes and this kind of blush on her face and I'd think this is really incongruent this isn't the sign of a grieving widow you know she'd been married for 46 years so I'd say to her, "Oh, you know, Mum, you know, you must be missing, you must be missing Dad terribly." And she said, "Oh, no, I don't miss him at all." She said, "I'm quite glad he's gone. We didn't really get along very well, you know that," which I found quite astonishing because I actually thought they were happily married. But you know, I was fairly new to the family, so I clearly had no idea. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, so it was sort of she was blossoming like a beautiful reborn rose and it was actually it was actually kind of beautiful to watch really seeing this woman who had obviously felt very oppressed suddenly in old age come into her own so time time went by and she said oh you know he's here he's here I said what do you mean he's here who's here she said Harry he's here He's, he's, he's around all the time. 
and I said, oh, you know, mum, don't be silly. He's, he's passed on, surely he's, you know, he's in heaven now. She said, no, no, he's around the house. And I said, whatever do you mean? And she said to me, well, she said, my darling, she said, he was here last night standing beside my bed. And she said, he looked like when he was young, when we were first married, like she said, he looked around about 28 like quite young and I said what and I didn't sort of react too much because growing up being raised with spiritualists I had heard that spirits will come to you in the prime of their life like whatever age that was their happiest in their life like what they considered to be their prime is how they'll often appear to you so I didn't say anything because I didn't want to freak her out. And if anything, I was more freaked out by the fact that she was seeing him, you know. And um, I said, oh, yes. I said, what did he look like? She said, oh, you know, he looked young and handsome and his body looked fit and healthy and he was in good, good physique. She said, Nothing at all what he looked like when he died, which was, you know, quite, quite, you know quite lovely because when he died he died of bowel cancer and he was absolutely you know a wreck and he was 69 he was elderly he was just a wreck so I looked at her I said are you dreaming this and she said to me no darling she said he stands beside me she said quite regularly at night and he asks me for sex and she smiled and her lips sort of curled up on the edges she had very beautiful shaped very full, luscious-looking lips. She was very pretty, even as an elderly lady. <clears throat> and I said to her, what do you mean he asks you for sex? She said, oh, he asks me for sex. And I say, no. <laughs> anyway, it was the way she said no in her Polish accent that I just, I mean, I, I still have to giggle to this day because she'd sort of blush and, and there'd be this little giggle beside it. And I would just look at her and think, what on earth is going on, you know? And I said to her, oh, um, I said, well, why is he doing this? She says, I have no idea. She said, but he's around. So uh, about a year and a half later, my daughter was born in, in 1985 in November, so <clears throat> it was about a few months after that I went to visit her and I was, uh, I was breastfeeding my, my daughter and uh, I went to go <clears throat> and sit because it was a big, comfortable um, brown leather lazy boy chair and it was a very big chair and it was my had been my father-in-law's favourite chair and I thought oh you know there's something beautiful about me sitting in his chair feeding his granddaughter you know there's there's the, the connection you know the family line grandfather me his grandchild and there's something comforting about that I thought <clears throat> so I went to sit down with my baby with my daughter baby daughter in his big lazy boy big leather chair that rocks it was a rocking chair and uh, I sort of perched on the edge of it and I, I went to undo my blouse you know to offer my daughter my breast and my mother-in-law 
came into the living room and she put a hand to her mouth and she said, don't do that, don't do that. And I said, don't do what? She said, don't sit in that chair. And she said, and for the love of, of God, do not feed the baby in that chair. And I went, but this is a comfortable chair, mum. Like, what is wrong with this chair? And she just looked so horrified that I said, no, no, all right, all right. I'll, I'll, I can feed her anywhere. I don't have to sit in this chair. So I got up and I, <clears throat> I moved chairs. But then I looked at her and I said, so what's the big deal about that chair? Why, why didn't you want me to feed, feed your grandchild in the chair? She said, because it's his chair and he still sits there. And I said, Mum, you know, like, come on, he's, he's been dead a long time now. Like, come on, like, really? And she says, no, no, Tanya, you don't understand. She says, I often come out to make a cup of tea because their kitchen net was right beside, you know, that the living area. <clears throat> and she says, I often come out and she says, and I'll, I'll put the jug on to make a cup of tea and the chair rocks by itself. She said, he's definitely here. So I thought to myself, why on earth would he be sitting here in the chair, like haunting her and, by extension, me, you know? Um, why is he not at peace? Uh, so I couldn't really understand that uh, because we were all there with him and, you know, he had a reasonably, you know, normal, peaceful passing. So even though it was horrific, the way he died with cancer, but, you know, lots of people die of cancer. They don't usually haunt their, their family home. So anyway, I just thought, oh, maybe he doesn't want to be away from her. But then on the other hand, they didn't have an all that happy marriage anyway. So it was kind of odd. Anyway, I sort of brushed it aside and didn't take too much notice and I thought to myself perhaps the old lady's getting a bit crazy you know getting a bit senile so she says she looked at me and she said you think I'm crazy don't you and I just sort of said oh no 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 I just I, I haven't seen it rocking so I, I I have no reason to not believe you and I just sort of humored her along because you know I thought with the grief and you know all this dramatic changes, you know, new daughter-in-law now, a new grandchild. I thought maybe she's, you know, getting a bit confused. So about two or three months later, I'm over at her place. I mean, I used to visit regularly, but this happened, you know, a few months later. I'm over at her place <coughs> and uh, we're talking in her bedroom and... She wasn't, she didn't like being left alone with my baby. She like, she just had this fear of babies, which is really odd since she had three children of her own. But anyway, um, so sitting on the bed with her talking and I said, oh, mum, I've got to go to the loo and, and then I've, I'll make us a nice cup of tea. I said, can you keep an eye on my daughter for a little while? And uh, my, my mother-in-law looks at me and sort of looked a bit pale in the face but she said yes she said as long as you're quick so <laughs> I said yep no worries I'm just be five minutes so off I went off to the loo and then went into the kitchen kitchenette 
and I proceeded to put the kettle on, fill it up with water and turn it on. And I could hear this sort of creaking. So I looked, you know, out into the living room and the big lazy boy old leather rocking chair was rocking by itself. And I just stood there watching it rocking for a few moments, thinking, am I imagining it? You know, am I going crazy? And I was looking around the living room to see if the windows were open, if it was possible that there was a breeze causing it or, you know, anything that could be like a draft blowing in through another window. So I walked into the lounge and I looked around. All the windows were closed. The kitchen windows were closed. Everything was actually closed up. So I thought to myself, my God, she's not lying. He's actually here. So calmly as I could, finished making the cup of tea and put them on a little tray, and the, the cup, the two cups, and brought them in to my mother-in-law. And she looked relieved because she didn't want to be alone with the baby for very long. And uh, <clears throat> I gave her the cup of tea and I looked at her and I said, Mum, she said, yes. And I said... I believe you. She says, oh, you saw it too, did you? And I went, yes, I've just seen it when I made the cup of tea. And she said, yes, I told you he was here. And uh, I said, she said, that's why I didn't want you feeding the baby in his chair because she said, I didn't want him to be a dibbuk and dive into the baby, which I thought was kind of cute, you know. But it's quite possible, you never know. So I said to her, I said to her, I, I didn't quite, I'll be honest with you, Mum, I said, I didn't quite believe you, but I've seen it with my own eyes now, and now I believe you. <clears throat> I said, does he still ask you for sex? And she said, oh, no, he stopped that, but she said he still rocks the chair. So that was highly, highly unusual. Um, so from then on, uh, I, I I actually took her quite seriously whenever she said that she felt that he was around. <clears throat> now, I migrated back to living in Brisbane, Australia in 1988. And <clears throat> when we flew here to to Brisbane it had been a really hectic move like my my husband for reasons only known to himself or maybe partly some of it might not have all been his fault might have had a bit to do with the moving company but anyway they did the move in the last minute um the house was not packed up till like only a few hours before we had to fly out to Australia and I had actually wanted to spend some time with my mother-in-law before we flew out. Like, I had a visage spending the whole day with her. But because the move had been <clears throat> sabotaged so horrifically, uh, and we were stressed out of our girls and everything, we only got to see my mother-in-law for about an hour before we went to board the plane. So, I was... <coughs> Yes, I heard that too, Beauregard. So anyway, I was very distressed and very, very distressed. 
And so I, the, I cried the entire flight to Australia, which is three and a half hours, which isn't terribly long, but three and a half hours of solid crying. And uh, my husband kept saying, what are you crying for? And I was like, I'm just, I just think it's so awful the way we've just moved to Australia and your mother didn't get to see us, she didn't get to see the, the baby. You know, it's just awful. Um, and by then I had my youngest daughter as well who was... 14 months old so I kind of felt that we had just been ripped away from her and that it was just I felt that it, I actually felt that it was cruel not that I had wanted to be cruel I was actually wanting to start a whole new life um, started fresh again because I'd had a lot of toxicity from my family in Wellington and I thought a new start you know new life things would be better <clears throat> So that was my motivation. But when I came here, you know, crying and a mess and, uh, you know, and then the next day I had to pick up my cats that I brought with me to Australia who were quarantined, you know, briefly, for, you know, to be checked up on. Oh, my goodness, what's going on out here? Let's have a look what's going on out here. So anyway, I cried and cried and then I got busy settling into my new my new home here in Brisbane and with one thing and another with the horror of it all and and the the devastation my mother-in-law died of a heart attack just eight um, sorry nine days after we arrived here so, yes, so she arri- uh, we arrived on the 1st of August and she died on the 10th of August. So that came as a great shock and also had been, I suppose, in a roundabout way, one of my premonitions. So we, uh, we just got on with settling into, you know, living in a new country, even though Australia's another English-speaking country and, you know, culturally it's quite similar, but, you know, it, it was still kind of a culture shock, moving countries and, you know, the climate's different, people have kind of different attitudes and it was sort of kind of a, yeah kind of not as severe culture shock as if we'd come from a non-English speaking country, but it was still a dramatic change. I can hear my dog barking. Something did bang on the way past. I don't know what that was. It's not a ghost paper. It was just the dog will hit up about something now. Uh, probably the possum getting out of bed. So anyway, the next apparition I saw was uh, by this time, it was 1992. So we'd been living in Brisbane for four years. And one of the two cats that I had brought with me from New Zealand, you know, my, my family, my fur family members, uh, died or got, who got run over actually, and uh, a very evil, malicious former friend suggested that my 
then husband was deliberately running over animals, which sometimes makes me wonder because he did have a kind of a sadistic streak in him. But I'd like to think he didn't run over this particular cat because he was very fond of that cat. It was actually his cat. So there is that. But anyway, I grieved terribly when we lost that cat because he'd been with us since you know, 1985 or 86, when he, he arrived in our house as a stray and we took him in. So, and I loved the cat. And he was actually a funny little cat. He had a funny little face. He was, I used to joke that he was the ugliest cat I had ever owned in my entire life. He had like a, a pushed in face and his nose was a bit crooked and he was really a weird looking little pussy cat. But having said that, he was very loving and devoted and affectionate and he used to sit on my husband's chest and he used to drool and drool and purr with happiness and he was a lovely, a lovely spirit. So I grieved terribly for him and uh, after he died and then... In the, this home we had, and it was in Birkdale, our marital home that we bought with my my husband's inheritance, and uh, it was a a high set, which means two story brick home, and we had a swimming pool, above ground swimming pool, and I made a lovely garden. I spent thousands of dollars planting rose bushes and trees and macadamia nut trees and. Uh, the most, the, I had made the most beautiful garden. I had a herb garden. I, I put a lot of time into it, you know, because I had little children and we were running a little business. But I, whatever spare time I had, I put into the garden. So anyway, I was going downstairs to the rumpus room a few months after Moggy died. And uh, it was during the day, so it was broad daylight. But that rumpus room was a bit... It was a sort of a bit dark, a bit quite dark, because um, it was underneath. Uh, but anyway, I uh, I was walking down because I had to walk through the rumpus room, which was a very large room, uh, to get to the the laundry and the the um, the shower and toilet ensuite downstairs. So I was carrying a basket of washing and I was on the way to the laundry and I looked ahead of me and I, I had a very large office desk that I kept at the right top right hand corner of the room and standing on top of the desk very clear I mean I could see through him he was translucent but I could see it was Moggy had his funny little weird crooked nose and his funny little face and his body shape he was a very small cat and quite quite lithe, kind of looked like a cross between a Siamese or a Burmese, but he was just a black and white moggy. But anyway, I saw him and he was looking at me and I got such a surprise to see him standing on top of the desk of all places, because it wasn't his usual favourite place or anything, staring at me that I just sort of looked at him and I went, oh, hello moggy. I said, what are you doing there? And then he just sort of looked at me and then vanished. And Moggy, dear little Moggy, 
was the very first ghost or spirit I had ever seen with my with my wide open conscious eyes um, in my life. I had never seen a natural spirit before, apart from sensing them or feeling the energy or uh, you know yeah occasionally hearing thumps and bumps, but to actually see one with my my physical eyes, I was actually shocked that of all beings that should come back to visit me, it was dear little Moggy. So, yes, so that was that. Um, I'm going to finish off with uh, episode three now, uh, and I hope you're enjoying my stories, and if you feel like contributing financially or um, with your own stories um, and sharing in my spiritual circle uh, you're most welcome Uh, and I will be humbled and grateful to receive your positive enlightened loving energies as well Uh, thank you so much for listening and for your support and for your sharing Um, And I look forward to coming back soon with another episode of my spiritual circle. Thank you from Tanya Desiree Ahrens. Goodbye.